You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. podcast. I am your host, Claire O'Brien, a nurse practitioner, and today I am here for round three with my wonderful husband, Dr. Edward O'Brien. Hello, Ed, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Claire. <laughs> Ed and I are sitting in our kitchen alone. He is having a Bud Light orange, and I am having some weird Austrian wine that we got from Dry Farms. Anyway, um, so I actually had a couple other guests lined up for the next few weeks, um, and over the last two weeks, kind of nationally, but but really very specifically in Charleston where we live, things have gone totally bananas with um, coronavirus. And so I felt like it was probably a good time to circle back around. Y'all really liked um, the first two episodes that we did with Ed. And so tonight we're just going to have another chat. And Ed feels like he would like to be not politically correct. And he would like to just be very honest with y'all. So here we are. Yes. (laughs) Was there something? What do you mean when you say that? Like, was there something specific you wanted to talk about? Or were you just like... No, I think my general <clears throat> gloves dis- are off. No, I mean, yeah. gloves are on, and the mask is on, and the goggles are on. No, <laughs> metaphorically, but, the gloves. But are I off. think I don't know. I've just been disappointed by our <clears throat> reaction or our inability to take small steps to prevent bad things from happening <clears throat> to people. So that's all I meant. I think that leads to frustration and honestly probably leads to a decent amount of burnout in, in, in the clinical workforce uh, as well. It's, it's difficult to go from you know doing your best to try to roll out testing across the state and try to roll, you know, try to get as many people tested as possible so that you can contact trace them and follow them up, make sure they don't end up in the hospital and all this kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. you, know, you see people talking about, ah, there's no evidence, to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. It infringes upon my rights, you know, and stuff like that, which I don't understand. Okay. Let's actually talk about those two very specific points. Um, so first of all, there's, there are several kind of caveat, not caveats. What's the right word? There are several different little components of the backlash against masks. And one of the biggest ones that I keep seeing is people talking about the the actual micron size of the virus particle versus what even an N95, which is like the the most you know protective mask you can wear, what it will actually catch. So, and I understand the concept, but it, but the when you see these little memes and stuff on the internet, it's like, uh, and a coronavirus particle is less than you know. A thousand, it's a thousand microns, and the N95. I'm, I'm making these numbers up, but I feel like this is what I've seen. And the N95 only picks up things that are bigger than seven thousand microns. So 
can you explain to people why that's not an that is not an adequate way to explain that? Uh, first of all, I don't think anybody understands microns. Right. <laughs> Uh, and I think the Science, general, like nerds do. I mean, I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I think the general public does not. So right. to have that conversation would be like me going and trying to have an educated conversation about transmission fluid in my transfer case. I don't even know if a transfer case is where a transmission lives, but something in my car that I really don't know much about. I don't. I don't. But me arguing that you know synthetic is better than natural transmission fluid. I don't even know if those are things. I'm just saying, like that's a hard argument to make. Right. <laughs> and I get that. Ninety five percent. Okay. So. If it, if it only gets 95% of, of uh, particles roughly the size of, you know, the, the COVID particle, we'll say, mm-hmm. um, that's 95% better than nothing. Well, but so here's what I read, and this is like, okay, this makes total sense. So people are talking about the size of the virus particle by itself. And right now our understanding is that this virus travels in droplets, Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, it, it, so it's the size of the droplet that you're talking about. No, is, I think they're talking about the size of the actual virus. No, they part, are. Right? The, the virus is like, I mean, it's, you know, you need an electron microscope to see the virus. I mean, it's incredibly tiny. Right. Um, there are some droplets, aerosolized droplets can be less than, you know. Whatever um, the hell micron Whatever the micron what? number is. I can't remember the number off the top of my head because I don't need to remember the number because I'm going to wear a mask. And <laughs> I, I also, I'm going to wear an 95 if I'm around known positives you know and and i can't actually because i have a beard but i'd have to wear a papper which is like a if you were at the hospital like taking care of somebody you would have to wear a different yeah well i'd have to shave my beard but but i think they uh, you know the masks do more than just stop the respiratory droplets from from traveling as far as they would without a mask okay okay also you know general perception of a mask raises awareness of the virus in a general sense. Looking at other people with masks on reminds you to wash your hands and not touch your face and that the virus is out there. You know, there's there's other things like public health aspects of wearing a mask besides just the size of the particles that it that it prevents from spreading as far that make a big difference. And if everybody wears a mask, certainly the virus does not spread as far, you know, Overall, so it's better for everybody. So right. it's a it's a strange thing. The, the the thing I don't get about the mask is this: everybody's argument is the economy, the economy, the economy. Right. What other intervention that has any evidence behind it right. is more simple and cost effective than masks? Right. I mean, I can't think of one. I I would argue that masks are cheaper than washing your hands ten fifteen times a day. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's it's certainly easier than trying to find hand sanitizer all over the place, and it's easier than shutting down the economy. And I think even if you don't make the science argument, you say, well, I don't think it works here, there, whatever. There's plenty of science behind it. Just do it for the economy. If you don't care about other people, just do it for the economy if that's what you care about. You know, right. Surely you care about one or the other. Yeah, you would think. If it's not humans, then it's the economy. Yeah. And that's fine. Obviously, the economy largely affects humans. We know that. We know the shutting down of the economy is also not good for humans either. That's right. So... Yeah, I just I don't understand. I just don't understand it. I really don't. And it, and the argument that they're not effective, I think, is has been very clearly demonstrated, particularly in these states that are now seeing you know zero deaths. I mean, why do we think New York has seen zero deaths right now? Because everybody is wearing a mask, and they were in total lockdown. I, and no one, I don't think, is advocating for lockdown again, but. You just see, and I get all these messages from people that are like, I live in Maine or I live in Connecticut or 
wherever and like everybody's wearing a mask i don't understand what the big deal is it's really sad it's very frustrating and sad it is i don't think we're headed for another lockdown like the original one i don't think our leaders will tolerate that Mm -hmm. and if you look at things like the stock market for example it's not predicting another lockdown the hope that's built into it is like for a vaccine you know so i don't think we're going to see it i think you'll see partial lockdowns which probably should have been happening the whole time like why we thought it was okay i'm in favor of reopening don't get me wrong but in a smart way right i I just think and i'm in favor of a robust economic reopening i just think certain portions of the economy just need to be more responsible and i think that's not always easy i think you know it, it it's tough but if if gyms need to remain closed so that the rest of the economy can prosper, let's come up with a government intervention to help those people out. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Right. The PPP loan or whatever it is. But let's be smart about the policy and not just kind of this all or none thing. And it, it, I've just been really frustrated and frankly not frustrated, just disappointed in our in our politicians and leaders. There's three cures to this economic issue that we're having right now. Um it's public health, public health, and public health. I mean, right. So, so you get that right. The other things, look at China. They got the public health part right. Even if you think they're telling the truth, then. But now their economy is robust again. So it's just it's it's a challenge. I saw something the other day that based, and I think it was talking about economic health. And this, anyway, it was basically like public health is economic health. Like we're not we're not going to have economic health if we don't have our public health in line. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, you also mentioned the constitutional thing that people keep talking about with like it's against their rights to wear a ma- or to be mandated to wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, you know, for those people, I would just say one thing. Like I if that's how you feel, that's great, but I better not see you wearing a seatbelt. You know, or, <laughs> or a helmet. Or like your airbags better be turned off, you know, you better right. be locking your door at night, you know, all the well, I shouldn't say locking the door, but I I just don't want you to be taking anything I don't want anybody telling you what to do on anything, you know, so. Well, but the, I mean, the actual argument is not correct. Like it, it actually is that this went to the Supreme Court, I think when there was the big smallpox outbreak in the sixties, maybe. Oh, about the vaccination, you mean? Yeah. For, for vaccines, which we're not even talking about vaccines, but the argument was taken all the way to the Supreme Court, which has been, which actually was just voted on again. And even it was five to four. Five to four, and one of the conservative judges, who is it? Oh, is it Roberts? Is it John Roberts? Anyway, I don't know. Um, but they voted to uphold basically that argument from the 60s that was saying, no, we actually, as a government, do have the right to make these interventions if it's in emergent needs for public health. Like, so your argument for this being a constitutional right is not correct. Like, it's actually in the Constitution. or I mean, not in the Constitution, but this, this went to the Supreme Court and they said, no, that that's, it's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand the... Uh, I just really don't understand the constitutional aspect of it. I'm not a lawyer by any means. So, I'm a lawyer. So, yeah. I mean, I also. I, I'll say that you're never going to get people to not do things that are not good for them. I mean, that's obvious. So, uh, so I, there, is, there is a reach. There's an area. And I don't know where that line is. I, I can't say. I would hope that people, if there's a small intervention they can do that seriously could benefit other people, I would hope they'd be willing to do that. Um, but you know, you're never going to get 100 percent of people to do that, you know, right. and and that's never going to happen. So, same with the vaccine. If we had some great vaccine for coronavirus, 
Not everybody's going to take it. Yeah, and thankfully, not everybody has to. You know, thankfully, we only have to get 70% or 80% of people to do it, you know. So the the 30% who are standing upon their rights or whatever they want to call it, thankfully, will benefit by the rest of the people who might be compliant. So... That, that, that's one good, one positive thing, I guess. What do you think, what do you think happened to get South Carolina? So for y'all, if people are listening, don't know where we live. Edna live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is, what is it? The, the fourth, third largest outbreak in the world. Well, for a while per capita, we were number four in the world uh, from any country for a number of people getting it, getting it you know, per day, per capita. But I think we might have slipped a little bit. Somebody's beating us. I think Florida really is really Florida. just taking the cake right now. Gosh. What, what happened? What happened, guys? I mean, people just went to thinking, people went from zero to 60, you know, right. in one second. And I think they just said, we're locked down, we're locked down, we're locked down. Lockdown's over. Everything's totally back to normal, which is not right. the point. Right. You know, New York opens back. And I don't think New York did everything right. Don't get me wrong. I mean, New York. But they did a lot right. Yeah, but they also did one of the... Their death rate is so high because they did one of the worst things I've... I don't know that I can think of when they when they transported the... When they forced the nursing homes to take back the COVID patients, which caused a lot of deaths in the nursing homes. Um, so well, what, what, what should they have done with those people? Like, where are they supposed uh, to go? They probably should have cohorted them somewhere. They had to cohort. I mean, they had the Samaritan's Purse cohort in Central Park. They never used... Because of some religious objection, I just there was there was capacity in certain areas they weren't using. I, listen, I'm not here to say I would have done anything right in the situation. I'm just saying. Oh, we're that, all Monday morning quarterbacks. No, I, yeah, and I can't. I mean, that's a tough situation. Right. The governor or whoever made the call is tough. I'm not gonna lie, but right, I, you know that. I'm just saying the outcome of that was not good. I'm not. I'm not I might have made right. the same decision. I don't know. And that was also several months ago. You True. know, I mean, that was in what March. Right, but I mean, but in terms of their reopening, which is. I think what we're talking about is that, you know, they slowly reopened, right? They opened takeout and outdoor dining right. only, right? They didn't rush the indoor dining. They made, they had a mask mandate before they opened. Right. Everybody had to wear a mask before they opened, right? Gyms, I, I don't even know if gyms are open yet up there, you know, and places, places of, of, of a larger congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're open yet. I, I don't follow them, you know, quite that closely, but they were wise about the reopening <clears throat> from a lot of uh, a lot of that doesn't mean they're not going to have any more cases, but I do think that's what it looks like to be wise. Mm-hmm. And I think in South Carolina we didn't do that. We just said no, we didn't do anything. Let's put our heads in the sand and pretend there's no virus, and because we didn't have a lot of cases, and right. you know, and maybe had there been no tourism here and all that kind of stuff, and from Memorial Day and everything, we probably wouldn't be in the same situation. But the truth is, this virus spreads pretty easily, so you know, it's just going to keep spreading as long as we. Don't do things like have a mask mandate. Um, I don't want to ask you this, but I feel like I have to. What do you think about school? I think this is where it's a, uh, I think schools are going to reopen. You know, I, 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 I do. There's two situations at schools. There's the children and then there's the teachers, right? Right. And the children are not just the children. So the real situation is this. Do children get coronavirus? Sure. You know, do they spread the coronavirus? Sure. You know, are they super spreaders? Who knows, right? There's not a ton of literature What's on it. What's a super spreader? People don't know what that is. Uh, it's someone who ends up, for whatever reason, sheds a ton of virus, ends up spreading it to tons and tons and tons of people. Like Jason Arnold? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. 
I don't know. But um, no, it doesn't mean that you're you're just positive for a long time. It means like for whatever reason, you just spread tons and tons and tons of live virus all over the place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Like when Sonic the Hedgehog like tur- has the glow and he remember in the game when he, anyway. Hmm. It's, yeah. yeah, it could be people with with. Um, with ticks that touch their face all the time or something like that, and they're just putting virus everywhere on all these surfaces. I can't help It's hard it. to say. Hard to say. Um, anyway, so there's the kids, right? And the kids, you're not seeing the kids get to go into the hospital. Kids are getting... There are a few, obviously. There's some, yeah. And there's been a few children's deaths and some, some of that inflammatory condition for children, but for the most part, they're not going to the hospital near the near the rate of elderly people, of course. Right. Um, and, you know, they're not, they're not getting as sick. It doesn't appear... However, oh, so there's, so that's the kids, right? And that's the argument I think everybody's saying, ah, oh, the kids will be fine. Right. And, you know, people are dependent upon children for child, I mean, school for childcare. Right. So, and that's a big part of reopening the economy. I get that. So there's that. The other side of the argument is, though, that, I mean, the teachers in a class of 25 people or however many people are in right. these classes, it's going to be very challenging to limit their exposure. Right. Um, Georgia Tech has an awesome calculator out right now that says, you know, based on your zip code, how many uh, people you're around. Your I'm going to I'm gonna put the link of that on my Instagram. Y'all, this thing, Georgia Tech, bunch of nerds. I love them. So this thing, you put in, what is it, your zip code and yeah. how many people. Like, say you're going to an event with, like, a child's birthday party and there's going to be 14 people there. Or your family reunion and there's going to be 40 people there. You put that number in on this website and where you are, and it calculates your relative risk of contracting COVID based on what county you're in. Yeah. That is wild. It's pretty cool. So in Charleston right now, if you have 25, 20 or more people, you have a 99% chance of someone in that room having COVID. Tell so, me about, the 10 people was like 10 people was like 66%, 66% chance. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So, you know, if you have that in the back of your mind and go out in public, right. that will keep you from being in a crowd. You know, so anyway, and we know it transmits more close, more, more efficiently indoors with air units and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be really tough to protect the teachers. And all these teachers are not young. Right. I had this kind of impression in my head that, oh, all my teachers were straight out of college and all this kind of stuff. Well, oh the God, truth no, is yeah. we have a lot of senior educators. I mean, senior experience-wise, I mean, great teachers, you know. They I have mean, a lot I'm of experience. I'm talking about people in their 40s, people in their 50s. Yeah, but 50s and 60s, there's a decent number. Right. You know, 60s especially. And there's older too. I mean, there's But now themselves. we're seeing data coming out that or more cases coming out where people, what did you say the other day about 40, 42 and up or something was like the. Well, 66% of the deaths in South Carolina are 71 and above. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from zero to 71 is only 33% or 34% of cases. Mm-hmm. So it's not of deaths, I mean, you know, and then. As you go down further and further, if you you know, then you go sixty to seventy, it gets pretty low. I mean, it's still ten percent below. But how many people have died in South Carolina? Um, around a thousand fifty. So, three hundred of those people were like potentially our age, or like my parents, you know, like in their fifties, well, under, under, yeah, under seventy, right? Yeah. But also, forty percent of the people were nursing home patients, so. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a challenge, you know. I mean, I think if you I think, if you really whittled it down and how many people have died who have no medical conditions who are, you know, under fifty, you know, it's not high. Right. It's a very it's certainly less than one percent. Right. I mean, so I think back to the teacher thing, but I think 
you know, the teachers are going to be a challenge to keep them safe. And then when they get sick, you're not going to have that many substitute teachers, I don't think. And then right. you're going to end up canceling school anyway. I think to some degree it's a moot point. So if you had your dream scenario, like let's say PCA, God love them, had actually asked you <laughs> like what your opinion is on the plan for reopening. That's where our kids go to school or, you know. We hope they're going to go to school there again next year. But, like, if you had your dream scenario and dream plan, if you were like, okay, here's what everybody needs to do for school, what would it be? My dream scenario? Yeah. Well, I'd start school and... Oh, for heaven's sake. Like, if they're going to school, that's not a, that's not an option. Oh, I was going to say I'd start in January. No. Okay, they're, <laughs> they're going to school in August. So let's no. just say that, you know... Well, I wouldn't let them go to school in a place where that there's sustained increase of uh, an outbreak like we have here. And also, okay, so I know that, like, we do that for the flu as well. And people need to realize that. Like, they're, so, I don't think Charleston had to shut down schools for flu last year. Two years ago we did. Two years ago we did. And last year, like, all the Nashville schools shut down. A bunch of Atlanta schools shut down. I remember that's where most of my friends from home live. But I think people think this is some, like, crazy crazy irrational thing we've never done before and it's like no we when the flu gets that bad we shut schools down for the flu yeah every flu season it's usually around 20 percent for flu okay so so the first thing would be that's okay let's so the, let's just say they're going back to school okay um i would say i disagree with going back to school until there's a time <laughs> okay. until you're in a that's place not where, an option okay then um i think so online is not an option no, because that doesn't help people who, like, what are you supposed to do with the people who actually have to work and, like, go to a physical job? And let's say, so let's say you have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old who can't teach themselves online and you have an actual, like, a job that you have, you and your spouse or your partner or whoever, you both have to go to your job. Right. So you cannot online teach your children. Yeah. So school is not only your child care, but, like, school is school. Oh, yeah. That's a challenge. That's a huge challenge. Okay, so those kids need to go back to school. What do you? What's your ideal scenario of like temperature, masking, wiping, cleanse? That's oh, what I'm. That's what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, about. you'd have to. You need a uniform masking policy, okay. so everybody has to wear a mask all the time. Not just when they're six feet, less than six feet apart. You have all to wear the, the mask all the time, because there's plenty of data coming out showing this thing is airborne, and it's just going to transmit. The less masking, the more it's going to transmit. That's mm-hmm. just all there is to it. Okay. I think you would need some physical barriers between children. I think some sort of plexiglass or something barriers. The schools here are doing a really good job of that. Charleston County is doing a good job of that. Okay, will you talk about that really quick? Because uh, several people have reached out to me because we live in Charleston and are like teachers or their kids go there and they feel like they have no idea. So I I feel like I've heard you say Charleston County is doing a good job, but they, I don't think, are communicating that to people. So it's really good to hear you say that. They only released their plan to the public, I think, two days ago okay so yeah take a look at that plan online but it's they've done some cool things as far as constructing some nice barriers between uh uh, the students uh, and the teachers and things like that they've installed actually some pretty nice uv um virus killing (laughs) i guess machines into the air units as well as hepa air filters which is really Mm -hmm. nice Mm -hmm. um they've also uh, one thing that's massive is, is keeping the congregations away. So they've, I don't know if they've canceled sports altogether. I, I'm not 100% sure about that. But they've definitely canceled um, 
group eating. So you eat at your desk now. Right. You no longer drink out of the water fountain. You have one water cup for the whole day. Right. Um, as opposed to children changing classroom to classroom to classroom for different periods. They oh, change the teacher instead. Which okay, that's smart. Always probably should have been that way. Um, well, you just get bored. I mean, the kids... I'm sorry, you must not remember what it was like remember, to be like 12. I remember school. And be but, like, if I have to sit in this freaking desk all day, yeah, I'm going to like I know. seriously burn this place down. I know. Preparing for the real world. But <laughs> but I, I, you know, I... That's true, kids. Suck it up. So, yeah, they're doing some good things. They really are. I mean, I think mm-hmm. those are some of the big ones. I mean, they're also really putting hand sanitizer. They're teaching hand washing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some really good things. So I think doing that the right way appropriately. And they've done a good thing by delaying the start of school, too. You shouldn't start school while the virus is absolutely raging and the hospitals are full. You know, it's right. just not a good, not a good idea. So delaying is smart too. I mean, I think they're taking, they're listening to advice. Right. Were they listening to just some of our political leaders? I mean, they would just show up at school on August fifteenth right. and just wing it, I guess, uh, which yeah. <laughs> is not acceptable. So I think you know you can get in-person schooling and make the right changes and make some appropriate interventions, and I think you can have a better outcome than not go, than than you would before so uh, i applaud them for doing the right thing in charleston county school one the school district one so what should parents do like what if you're not in a charleston county i mean our kids are little so they're not in a public school yet because they're in 2k and 4k but like say our school doesn't have a mask a uniform mask policy do the parents, I mean, do we all just get together and basically demand it? I mean, how what would you say? Yeah, I think you lobby the school for that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There's two ways to lobby a private school. You know, you don't pay your tuition and go to the private school. Ours is set on automatic. Maybe you should no. <laughs> take it off. <laughs> but it's awesome. The second thing is, you know, yeah, you just really get together and kind of lobby the the um, the private schools to to have a mask policy. Well, it's sad. I mean, it's just, again, all of this goes back to, too, that this is all hitting lower socioeconomic, you know, minority groups so hard, and school is a big part of that, you know, and that will, the child care aspect, and uh, it's just, I know, it's, it's hard, because, I mean, you really, it feels like a very lose-lose situation, right? Like, obviously... People desperately want their children to go back to school for a million different reasons. And, you know, I keep seeing these things. 16,000 children in South Carolina are unaccounted for. Well, first of all, it's summer. But, you know, we know that they've got to go back to school. But then if they go back to school and there's not firm, solid plan, you basically, what I'm trying to say is you can't have it both ways. You can't be demanding that schools like go back to school go back to normal also we're not going to wear masks yeah and that's what's happening that's true and school really is not just school so school in the united states is a massive safety net right so it's you know it's it's a great way to i think that's what the american academy pediatrics was trying to say in the in the original statement they made before they recanted (laughs) or changed it a little bit well they just didn't say it they just um yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like the original statement, actually, because I felt like it just totally disregarded any other humans. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I, I just always say to people like, okay. As the, to be fair, the AAP typically disregards anyone other than the children. They're like, screw the mom. This is what's best for the baby. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's what. But that's their thing. And then, right. and then the OB society says the opposite. Right. Like, I totally oh, agree. watch out for the mom, you know. And, 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 and so I think, <laughs> but what they said this time was blew my mind. It was like, how does the American geriatric society respond to this where it's like, oh, yeah, send your kids to school. It'll probably be fine. You know, we, if, if you don't send them to school, there's going to be some, we're going to miss some case of child abuse. I'm like, well, if you do send them to school, those same children who may, you know, miss a meal or have child abuse are usually live in multi-generational families and they're going to get coronavirus and infect their grandparents who might die. Right. You know, so I'm just saying it's not so linear. Right, uh, right. You know, or so straightforward. It's a challenge. And the schools do need to come back. I totally agree. I mean, they're, they're, they're a great safety net. They do so much. But that's what's so fascinating to me is that we see... We see the same groups of people demanding that we reopen the economy, demanding that we reopen the schools, and also saying, oh, but by the way, I'm not going to wear a mask. Yeah. And that's not feasible, that that we can't do that right now. Okay, so we also talk about, I feel like this is really important and almost never gets talked about. What... So even if a person or a family or their entire family or extended family, let's say you're all under the age of 40 and super healthy and nobody has any medical problems and you have zero concern about whether you or your family member or friends are going to get COVID. Why does it matter in terms of like hospital capacity? And let's, let's take COVID numbers and deaths like totally out of the picture. Why does that matter to the hospitals as a whole when they're overrun with a global pandemic. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and you, and you know, you're 99.9% right. If you're 40 and under and don't have any problems, you're probably going to be fine. You know, you're probably going to have it going to be like the flu and that's it, you know? Right. You'll be fine. So the problem is, you know, if you're not wearing a mask and are spreading it and don't care and all that kind of stuff, you're going to spread it to other people who are going to end up in the hospital. Um, that's one of the major problems with the hospitalizations. Or you can end up in the hospital, of course. No, um, I'm not asking you this right. Oh. So when I was trying to explain this to people on Instagram stories, I had to, a million people respond that were like, I never thought about it like that. So if the hospital here, let's say MESC has 1,000 beds, and if 150 of those beds are taken up specifically by COVID patients or the ER is totally overrun with COVID patients, then what happens to everybody else? Like people having heart attacks or that need emergency surgery or whatever, that need an ICU bed for a totally unrelated condition. Yeah, well, I mean, in that situation, they're fine. But in the situation like happened in New York, what happens is the mortality rate in South Carolina is like 1%, 1.2% or something like that in South Carolina for, for COVID. Mm-hmm. Because we've not had our resources stretched. What happens is... When you get a New York situation mm-hmm. where the hospitals truly are overwhelmed mm-hmm. and 80% of the inpatients or more are COVID positive, mm-hmm. then you do run out of resources for other people. Right. So people, and well, people either don't want to come to the hospital and die at home of heart attacks and strokes and stuff like that. Or when they come, there's so many COVID patients there that they just never, they don't get in in time or just die in the waiting room or, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's what you were right. kind of reading about. That makes the mortality rate jump quite a bit. That and not knowing how to treat COVID early on. Um, 
you know, made the mortality rate. Well, it's the mortality rate of, you know, let's say a heart attack is, I'm totally making these numbers up, but let's say the mortality rate of a heart attack is 10%. During COVID, maybe it's 50% because if you, if you're in an area where your hospitals, like there's 42 hospitals in Florida right now that are like totally overwhelmed, that are shut closed to anything else other than COVID. So let's say you live in one of those small towns and you have a heart attack or maybe it's a big town. I don't know. You have a heart attack and you go to the hospital and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like we can't help you. I haven't heard that about the Florida hospitals, but, but yeah, I mean, that's the situation. It's, it's well, just basically, New York, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's just resource utilization. I mean, I know the Florida ICUs are at pretty high capacity, mm-hmm. like in the 90% range I've read, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, also, New York had it in, in the winter. The winter's going to be a challenge, hopefully not, but because uh, other things are just more rampant than too flu and pneumonias and all that kind of stuff. So, right, it'll be it'll be a challenge, and that's that's what makes me nervous about the school. You know. So what? Yeah, what's going to happen during cold? Oh my gosh, what is going to happen during cold and flu season when everybody's like, oh my god, I have a fever. I have COVID. I mean, yeah, I mean that's the. I mean that's the situation, right? Some people are gonna have the flu, right? Some people are gonna have a cold, and some and th- these things breed at schools. You know, I mean that's just where the kids get them right. and they take them everywhere, and it is what it is. Now I do think cold and flu and stuff like that, in theory, would be less if all the kids are wearing masks and you know following those rules. You would think there'd be less of that, um, but you know it's gonna be a real challenge. I think you'll see these COVID tests morphing into RVPs, mm-hmm. rat, uh, respiratory viral panels, or at least combo test for flu and COVID. So a respiratory viral panel has test like for... Has 15, 20 viruses on there. Everything from cold viruses. So why can't they add that? Can they not just add COVID-19 onto the RVP? So it's, that... it's added onto RVPs already. But the way it works is there's machines that... It, it's harder to run an entire viral panel than it is just the COVID. Okay. So like you run a... This is a good for people to understand. So like you run a rapid flu, it takes 30 minutes. Whereas if you ask for a respiratory viral panel, it takes a day or two no, to like get the four results? hours. Oh, well, now it takes I a mean, day or two because our labs are overwhelmed. Right. Um, but normally, I mean, the machine itself runs it in probably four hours, something like that. But if it's flu season. Yeah, I mean. Then it may. The truth is you get doing... a, rap, a rapid flu test. takes 15 minutes and it's 60% accurate. So it's not that useful, you know. Hmm. Um, 66%, something like that. It's not great. Hmm. Um the viral panel in the 90% accurate, in the high 90s accurate, but it takes, you know, quite a long time. And the majority of people don't need to know with that level of accuracy whether they have the flu. Right. You know, you can, I mean, it's cheaper to give them tan flu than it is to run a viral panel, so. Right. Um, so I think, I don't know what situation we'll come into. I imagine we'll have the test that'll at least get flu and COVID together. I would think that'd be the most common test. Yeah. R- relatively rapid. I do wonder, too, if this will make people kind of rethink the seriousness of the flu. So I think there are a lot of people saying this isn't, this is similar to the flu or it's, I mean, you see dumb stuff. It's like, it's not even as bad as the flu. Listen, the flu is a big, like huge deal. The flu is a big freaking deal every year. Yeah. I mean, the flu kills, I don't know. The CDC estimates 50, 60,000 people a year. Last it year it was 80. It varies quite a lot yeah. in the estimates. The truth is, the, 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 here's what's funny about the estimates for the flu. They're, I guess they're relatively accurate, but you're not testing deceased people where they had the flu. Hmm. 
So you see, if you did the flu numbers like we're doing COVID-19, where we're te- post-mortem testing people, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff, I mean, your flu numbers would be a lot higher, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no question. But I think it's a pretty good estimate. The other thing about the flu is it kills children. Yeah. Several hundred children die a year of the flu, you know? Right. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely not a, it's not a joke. And now what happens all of a sudden if you got COVID and then you have all these people, you know, who wouldn't have died of the flu because they had hospital space, but now are dying of the flu too. Hmm. That's the real problem. And that's why I'm nervous about schools and stuff. And fall. like, you think about other stuff like RSV. Oh yeah. You know, that kids get, I mean, we had a child in the hospital with RSV, oh, yeah, RSV and, yeah. you know, she was fine, but a lot of kids are not. And it's that kind of thing that will, like right now, I, I think they were switching over the pediatric ICUs uh, to be adult ICUs temporarily because we're, out of adult ICU space. So what happens if it's no- well, peds, November? <laughs> yeah, because the peds ICUs typically are not as busy in the summer. Right. So what happens in when, November? When they're full. Right. When they're full of RSV, flu, whatever else it is, and too bad for the adults or too bad for the... I mean, so just... Yeah, I get all these people always text me like, hey, you know, my hospital says things are really bad. How do I know when it's really, really bad at my hospital? I'll tell you how you know it's bad at your hospital. Mm-hmm. When they stop doing elective procedures. Mm-hmm. That's the first step of it's bad here so people really want musc to stop doing elective procedures and i can't there's no hard first of all the term elective procedure is terrible okay so the only thing that the only things that are considered non-elective are literal emergency traumas right so like if you come in and your like spleen has exploded that's not an elective procedure right but if you have cancer that is literally considered elective up until a certain point, right? Like yeah. having, I mean, I was worked in cancer surgery for 10 years. Like it is, you could have excruciating pain from a good friend of mine, kidney stones, couldn't get them out, ended up septic and was in the ICU. Actually got COVID from that, but anyway, like that stuff was considered elective. I mean, because that's just the, the like you said, the term is, terrible yeah it is elective doesn't mean plastic surgery right i mean there should be medically necessary surgery there's emergency surgeries right necessary surgeries and then there should be elective surgery there should be three categories yeah so yeah if you're if you're canceling elective surgeries where like if you've had hip arthritis for five years and need a hip replacement and you're just choosing to do it now that's an elective surgery right um you know right obviously cosmetics is elective surgery but they rarely stay in the hospital for period of time right. the surgeries that are important are the ones that have to spend the night in the hospital and that kind of stuff okay right. those use up the most resources so when your hospital starts canceling those it's kind of you start looking around and then if they then if they start you know just limiting all kinds of stuff where right closing their clinics and all that kind of stuff to make room for just having to pull staff to cover the inpatient wards you need to start looking out for that too but we're just not there yet you know we have a lot of people don't get me wrong and it's really stressful and it's bad um but thankfully we're able to do those surgeries that are still necessary and and you know sorry but like necessary too because if there are only a few listen running a giant hospital that is somewhat state funded and also takes all the medicare all the medicaid basically a non-private hospital there are a lot of things where the hospital loses a ton of money Right, so and surgery is a big way that the hospital actually becomes somewhat profitable. 
So we canceled elective surgeries for what, like a month and had to lay off a ton of people. Everybody got a pay cut. You know, some people got massive pay cuts or furloughs. So it's like, at some point there's this horrible balance that you have to measure literally keeping the doors open. Cause it's not like we're getting more funding from the state to stay open. I mean, I could write your state. Well, we are getting more. Yeah. There's money in the cares act for the federal government. So what's the balance between literally making the money from surgeries and things and clinics and things, not just surgery, but clinics, seeing patients, things like that to literally pay the people that you need to pay who run the hospital. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, it's most hospitals are built at least somewhat on surgical volume. It's just one of their core businesses. You know, it's just one of the core business practices. It's yeah. like a lot of auto dealerships. I could, I, I've heard at least that they really don't make much money on selling the cars. They make money on the repairs, apparently, or the maintenance. Yeah. I've, that's what I've heard. So it's not dissimilar to that. You know, if you all of a sudden shut down the maintenance, they may have to lay off a bunch of people and the, right. the shop may close, you know, because selling cars isn't enough, right? That kind of scenario. Yeah. Cool. Okay. But I think we find the coronavirus will probably go away in a couple of weeks. I think I read somewhere on Breitbart or one of those, um, maybe Drudge Report, that'll just be gone in a couple of weeks. So yeah. we'll be fine. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. It'll be good. It seems positive. I will say on a positive note, several of the vaccines do look promising. <sighs> oh, talk about the vaccine. Uh, you know... I don't know. There's basically a couple classes of vaccine. There's there's a bunch of vaccines out there. I think it's a hundred and something. And I saw that Russia and China hacked into our <laughs> hacked into our medical servers to, to get our data on our vaccines, um, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, a couple from is that because of TikTok? Moderna and yeah, because yeah, the people making the vaccines were using TikTok, and they that's how they stole it. I knew it. Um, but yeah, the, the mRNA vaccines, interesting about those, they use messenger RNA to kind of deliver a... Uh, we explain that to people and why that's different than any other vaccine. Yeah, we just never had an mRNA vaccine before. Typically, the way we make vaccines are we kind of take a piece of the actual virus, heat mm-hmm. it up a little bit to where it's not, it doesn't actually cause the infection, attach it to some other virus or some other mechanism that'll get into your body, and then shoot it in there, and then it causes an immune reaction, but without causing the actual disease itself. So that when you're exposed to the disease, it, it kind of takes care of it before it becomes an issue. Um, mRNA attempts to do the same thing with training your body to get rid of the disease before it becomes an issue, but it uses messenger RNA to take little pieces of, I guess, what looks like the virus and have your body create immune response to that. It's just never been done um, before successfully. And so the fact there's several mRNA ones out there now that are um, already in phase three is, is, is pretty promising. Yeah, um, but the other one, the you know the the usual style is also out there in phase three, so that's good news. And we would take uh, literally either one. Sure. Yep. I've heard they might be doing some trials in South Carolina soon. Actually, really? so one advantage of being a hotspot is <laughs> so the way that the way sign that, us up. The way phase threes work is you get the vaccine. And they want to send you off into the wild to see if it protects you from the virus. And they're like, it's so bad here. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, South Carolina, Florida. That's embarrassing. We'll get, we'll get some vaccine trials. I saw this really, somebody sent me this hilarious mashup of basically news reporters from like three months ago being like, 
Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, Governor McMaster, everybody, they're doing it so well and they're doing it so right. And now it's like a literal shit show. So, anywho. Um, okay, thanks. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. As always, guys, if you liked the podcast, if you like hearing from medical folks and getting the correct and accurate information, it's super, super important and so helpful if you'll rate subscribe, share, share with your friends, leave a review. It's so helpful. And it's how other people see and discover this podcast. And I promise I have two more very non-depressing podcasts coming right after this. See you in two weeks.